This podcast is brought to you by Trivelo Coaching, where we help triathletes and cyclists like you train smarter to race faster. I'm your host, Jordan Donnelly, and on my left is former Australian Ironman champion and head coach of Trivelo Coaching, Jared Donnelly. Welcome to part two of our podcast episode with former professional Australian rules football player, Nathan Jones. In part one, we talked about all about his transition from his uh, professional football career into triathlon, why he decided to take on the challenge and how his journey unfolded, taking on the the Trivelo coaching training program. After 12 weeks, he got to the race and in part two, we're going to talk all about the race, how it unfolded, what he experienced, the rollercoaster of emotions he went on and so much more. This part of the episode gets super inspiring, it gets raw, it gets a bit emotional, and that's why we love this sport, that's why we love triathlon, and that's why we're here. So enjoy this part too, we know you will. So just tell us through, take us through the day. So you, you, the, the preparation of getting to there and getting organized, yeah. but getting on the beach and taking a big breath and going, here we go, I'm about yeah. to start in a minute. What was the feeling like? Yeah, well, funnily enough, I actually had my alarm for five and I live like 20 minutes from um, Secure like down uh, a bit further down Beach Road. We pr- practically rode past my house, but I actually pressed stop on my alarm and woke up at 5.30. Oh, no. Like freaking out, like, oh, my God, I'm half an hour late. And I was planning on leaving at 5.30 to get to St. Kilda and park and be, <laughs> be there at 6 for the opening of transition at 6.15. And, like, I planned to, like, get out of bed, put on the tattoos, get in my tri-suit, like, put, like, uh, like you know, um, chamois cream on and, like, make sure I had my timer and everything like that. Like, I was so well prepared. But then when I woke up half an hour later, I was, like, trying to eat and trying to do all of that and then grab my bags and ran out to the car. And then I'm, I'm halfway because, obviously, Beach Road's closed. <laughs> I'm I'm halfway up Nepean Highway and I'm like Locked. I've forgotten my wetsuit. Oh no! Oh, and then I actually didn't forget it. it. Was packed in the bottom of my bag. But I, I so while I'm driving, I'm trying to pull out my whole backpack full of stuff to see if I actually packed my wetsuit. And then I was like, tr- contingency in my head was like, I'm just gonna have to do the swim without it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then funnily enough, I made it. I actually made it in time and got the car park quite quickly and got into transition and got set up. I felt like a sense of anxiousness though, because I'd put the pressure on myself. So mm. I tried to get organized pretty qu- cleanly and quickly, did a little bit of a warm up jog, and I got down the beach with plenty of time and um, obviously lined up. And yeah, I was, I was still, there's this, there's a little bit of self doubt, but I've probably had that all of my career. But it was just like, because I knew it was all, I think that's part of what drives me because it's like I, I had a point to prove myself and it's like, can I actually do this kind of thing? And that's pretty much what I said on the line. Like I was like, it was funny because I, like I said, again, it was all fun and games until I got to the start line. Then I was like proper, I'm here geeing myself up. Like I'm ready to go and like have a full all out crack and see how I can go. But I think that's what draws me in and probably draws most people of a similar mindset in like, when you get to the start line, it's like, all right, let's see how far I can push myself kind of mm. thing. I think that's – and that's what I love about sport um, in general. It's like I like that challenge. Funnily enough, you speak to some people, they're like, you're fucking crazy. What's wrong with you? But then you go to like the triathlon crew and a lot of the triathlon crew that were there yesterday, practically everyone is of the same mindset. Like they get on the line and they just love, love that 
pressure and that challenge. And I think, um, and that's what I felt when I got on the line. I was like, here we go. Let's see if I can really do this kind of thing. And it must have been kind of heartening to say, well, I've done the training and I'm prepared. I actually know, yeah. I actually know what I'm supposed to do in every aspect of today. All I've got to do is execute. And, yeah. and that's the thing that we drum into everybody. When you stand on that beach, have a smile on your face because 99% of the people around you have no race plan and and aren't really sure how the day is going to go because that is their main problem. They have no race plan. And, and that's got to give you an enormous amount of satisfaction going, oh, I've done everything I have to. I know what my race plan is. All I've got control over is how do I execute that plan? And, and that must be a comforting thought just before you start. Oh, absolutely. I think that's that, that in itself made every bit of investing with you having me as coach and having a program set up and the repeat, you know, testing sessions and feedback and discussions because I thought after the race, I was like, I would never, ever do that. Just be like, I'm going to sign up and go and race, race like that. Like, I, I just don't understand why people would, why, why would you even bother doing that? Whereas I went there with a very clear plan of what I was capable of. And I was hoping I could maybe do a bit better. And I think that gave me peace of mind and allowed me to actually enjoy the race rather than get halfway through the bike and be like, like I could imagine if I went back to my mentality, you know, back in December before we got together, when I was training for the marathon, like I would have been halfway through the bike and been like, what the hell am I doing here? And it's funny talking to people after the race, like, yeah, I cramped and I was like walking and jogging. And I was like, man, I would have hated if I was like that. Like, I just don't know how I would have been able to do it. But I, um, yeah, I was, I was felt very uh, grateful for all the support I had leading up to the race. It was a very worthy investment, that's for sure. So take us through each leg, swim leg, <laughs> bike leg, run leg. Uh, the swim, I actually swam a lot faster than what I anticipated. But with, I think with a fair bit of ease, to be honest, I actually sat in behind the, the group um, and I felt like I was just getting pulled along, obviously, like, you know, dirty water kind of thing. Like, um, just try to stick with the sort of faster guys in that bunch. Just to give the listeners an idea of the type of swimmer Nathan is, he swam an average of 125 per 100 in that in that event. So, you know, that's that's in the top percentage of swimmers. And, you know, you've only been training in the pool for literally 12 weeks, but you <laughs> were, you were a, a squad state representative swimmer as a junior. So, so yeah. it is such a huge advantage. But I'm just trying to give everybody an idea of, you know, what level you are at actually. Yeah, that took a while though to get back to that. Swimming for me was very much like a conditioning thing. And I reckon without doing the technique stuff that you – um, mentioned I didn't actually ever get a chance to do the effortless swimming, um, you know, two day course or whatever it was, but I actually followed them on Instagram and obviously went through every single video that you sent through in that, in that log, but just investing the time in doing that stuff. I felt my swimming improve quickly because initially we, I, we were doing it and I was like, Oh, can't really be bothered doing the, the bloody drills. Like, I don't have any of this gear. I was like, I'm going to have to go buy, like, pull. I'm going to have to buy a bloody kickboard and some paddles and snorkel. And I was like, bugger this. But then I actually did. And I know my swimming quickly improved again. I was like, oh, I actually can still swim. 
Because when I first got in the water, I'm like, this is going to be the hardest thing for me to get used to because I've barely done any of it. Like I did a little bit in rehab here and there, but nothing of this level. So and definitely do the swimming drills because um, that improved. I reckon over the journey of that 12 weeks, I reckon my time per 100 improved by 10 seconds. Mm. And that was without specific training. That was just, I have a general knowledge in swimming just from doing it when I was younger, but spending the time doing the um, – the swimming specific drills. Yeah, that definitely helped. Take it through, take it through the bike leg. Uh, well, I was real conscious coming out of the water because it was a long transition. And my previous experience was at the 2XU at Sandy. And by the time I got to my bike, I was absolutely gassed. <laughs> so <laughs> sprinted up the hill thinking I was like going to, you know, make up 10 places just in that 500 meters. So I was conscious of that just to try and keep my heart rate low and got to my bike. I actually ran down the wrong aisle. Oh, no. And, uh, and then Craig, uh, a guy that I've met through just signing up with Ironman, did a little bit of media stuff. He was, funnily enough, walking. He goes, you're two aisles away. You're two aisles away. And I was like, because he helped me yesterday find my bike rack. And, uh, and I actually ran back out and turned the corner into my ass, slipped over <laughs> on my ass. <laughs> and then uh, and then I found my bike, obviously, and uh, and then off I went. and. Bike was good. I had so much fun on the bike. Like I, I love riding. You couldn't have asked for a better day in Melbourne. Oh. Like it was, like the water was sheet glass, <laughs> which was amazing. Generally, you have like a little bit of a bump even on a nice morning, but it was like you could not have. It was picture perfect to swim, and then it was the same on the bike. Really, like didn't really feel like much of a headwind. Maybe a little bit coming back, but. I could barely tell if there was anything, to be honest. Mm. Um, and that was awesome. I I love that. Uh, like, not that we were riding in bunches or anything, but, um, you know, there was sort of – it was funny. I, I don't know the two guys' names, but there was two Trivello guys, like, right near me. Um, and another guy that sort of stuck with me that pretty much the entire route, I was like, if I can stay with this guy, he seems like he's doing a pretty good pace and probably similar power. I'm like, here's my man. And there was a few times he got 50 away and then I probably pulled away from him, but essentially we rode the entire lap, two laps together. And um, the bike was awesome. Like I actually, like I said, I love riding the time trial bike. I love going fast on it. And I had an awesome time on the bike. Um, and previously in training, I feel like I'd missed the nutrition a little bit. Like I was just so focused on my power and time that I lost track of it, but I was really on point with like every half an hour, you know, gel, make sure I get through my carbohydrate bottle and then every hour a caffeine gel. And I had this little plan going and I pretty much, I missed one gel, which was like the one right before transition. But anyway, I was, I was probably concentrating on getting my feet out and making sure I didn't stack on the dismount, but we got there. Did it help knowing that uh, the things we discussed, like, uh, you know, understanding the power range that you were going to ride between and the average speed that that should equate to and getting to halfway and checking that, you know, am I there, you know, because we had a plan that was around two hours 20 and here you are halfway riding a 108. Yeah. Um, And did you think, oh, no, what what did you think at that point? Um, Uh, I'm okay for this or? Well, I I was a little bit nervous because I was like, that's so much faster than what we anticipated, like. Um, but then I was reassured by like my numbers. I think 
I can't remember. The power, like top end range was like 260, bottom end was 250-ish. I think my average ended up being 250 for almost 40K an hour, which um, – but the main thing I focused on, which we had so much – and this was my issue in training was like you obviously explained the difference between normalized power and average power, um, was trying to bring those those two numbers like closer together. Um, and I knew like – because I started my clock and I didn't reset it out of transition. So I had like a bit of a sprint out of transition and then I would have sprinted a little bit out of the first turn and then settled in. So I knew that would have spiked my power a bit. But essentially I got back to halfway and pressed lap and there was like a, I don't know, six watt or four watt difference. And I was like, that's pretty good. Like, And in training I'd had like 20 watt difference. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so I was like, that four is four is good and I'll try and do better now on the next lap because I don't have any sort of sections where I'm going to get out of the saddle and use any power. I'm just going to roll around the corner and get back and settle into a nice pace again. And I think the second lap was maybe three or four watts difference again. So I knew even though the time was quicker and the speed was quicker than I anticipated, still my power was on point. I knew I wasn't at the top end of that range either. So I didn't. I didn't really panic too much. Like if I had have been at that pace and been pushing 265 or 270, I would have been like, I'm way over what my capacity is. But consider I was more around that 250, 255 mark. I I enjoyed it. Like I, I was just like, I'm going real well here and I'm going to take it. Like I'm riding way faster and I'm right in the middle of the range and I'm not spiking my power too bad. Like this is a good result. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and look, you were almost apologetic out of transition. Way too fast. Way too fast. And I'm saying, uh, don't worry, relax. Well, it was like, so just in comparison, the one 90 k time trial I did on Beach Road on pretty much the same track, um, like was seven minutes slower than that. And it was a similar day when I did it, like no wind. I got up really early in the morning for that. And I so – for me to ride seven minutes quicker than I'd ever ridden a 90K time trial, I was thinking I have completely cooked <laughs> hour and heart rate and my output and all these kind of things. And and I remember you, you actually gave me a great pointer on the Thursday, like check your halfway point and check speed. Because you, you were saying like some days will be different. You'll get a headwind and you might push 260 and – you only go on 38k an hour and then there'll be other days where like the weekend where it was a perfect day and actually push less to ride faster um and it's like getting a gauge of that like live feedback and knowing what you're looking for i think that just helps settle me and rather than me think negatively about it i just was super i was actually ecstatic because i was like that was way too fast <laughs> i don't know how i did that it's a great um, lesson isn't it dad where um, you know, Nathan's using all, all that data to give an accurate uh, picture of how he's actually doing as well as uh, the day might just be a little bit faster as well. You know, the air density of the day, you might happen to be around a decent bunch of people where you're getting more draft than you normally yeah. would. So, and plus, Yeah, it was all those points that he mentioned on the Thursday. Plus Nathan really, he got and, and understood after that 90K time trial, let me do some 75s and then some 60s and 40s. You understood how to stay out of zone six and seven and zone one and two, and you stop gassing yourself and, and having to recover. And it's a smoother ride and it doesn't spike the heart rate because you're not riding too hard. Then you have to recover and you're not using more fuel because you're keeping in a close checked range and that will enable you to run so much better. And, and you got that 
really quickly because I was showing you graphs of look at you doing here. You could ride so much faster with with just a better execution with no yeah. more effort. Yeah. And once you understood that, you were like, this is free speed. This is yeah, yeah. No, yeah, that's what – I think that challenge alone is the one thing I love the most, and that was only for the last, like I said, six weeks of the program. But I can't wait to get back and ride on it again because I just love going fast and – the better I get at it, it's like it's such a reward. Obviously, because it's just like I'm learning something new again. So, you know, when there's something new, you, I just want to get real good at it because I'm like, imagine how fast you could go if you were good at it kind of thing. So, yeah, I'm, I, uh, I love that aspect of it. It's good. It's good that you're saying that 24 hours after the race when you can't walk. <laughs> I still can't walk, trust me. <laughs> okay, the run. Take us through the that. The run, okay. I butchered the run. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and still ended up with the result. How amazing yeah, yeah. is that? Yeah, I I would have loved to. I probably went a couple. I went a couple of minutes slower than I wanted to. I think I ran to one twenty seven maybe, and I wanted to run under one twenty five. So well, it was only it wasn't too far out. But if you look at my graph, like by about the twelve k mark, it was like a bloody gorilla jumped on my back. Um, uh, 12, 14K, the last, the last six, seven K was painful. Um, and yeah, I just went out way too fast. I think I got, I, I, I had it in my head. No, I've got to go slow first couple of K, but it's like, I just couldn't slow down. I think that, that pacing kind of thing, particularly off the bike. And I think the adrenaline, like coming out of um, transition, I didn't feel great. Like I was like, holy shit, my legs are so sore how am I going to get through this? It's like, I just wanted to get up and running kind of thing. And like, I knew my plan was initially like run four twenties for the first um, two, maybe three K and then pull back to four minutes. And then if I can go quicker, which I should be able to, I have been able to before I would, but yeah, I I pretty much ran the first 10 K four minute K's or under and like I said, I got to 12 and I was like, I have burnt, I've burnt myself here. It's a great lesson. Uh, and, and, and it's really good that you're so willing to share it because, you know, it's hard to admit you kind of fucked it up a little bit. But, yeah. but, but really, you know, that is a hard lesson for all the triathletes out there listening. It, it's so easy to say, I'll just do that. Um, but actually going out and, and executing um, is the hardest part. And that's what, that's what makes or breaks a lot of athletes. And you got to a breaking point because you ran a 356 in the first 2K. You know, Instead of running the 420, you're literally 25, 30 seconds ahead of where you should be. And, yeah. and you know, that prevents you from feeling good at 14K, 16K. Um, and people go, oh, it doesn't make that much difference. I, I guarantee if you can run the yeah. first couple of – kilometers at 420 you know because it when you get to 14k 4405 pace feels like 305 pace it's that difficult to hold because you are a different runner at 4k compared to 14k you're fresh at 4k and it feels like this is a piece of cake and and all of a sudden it's no longer a piece of cake it's like i've got a piano on my back and i'm carrying it around this track (laughs) yeah so so i was out in the course and uh trying to be calm and give you some calming advice like I was doing with the rest of the Trivalo people and the steely determination in your eyes, even though I could see you were going into the fog and that's what I call it. When you get to, you get to a point where you no longer care about 
of time that you're running, you're just surviving and you can't wait for it to finish. Sorry, I'm telling you, I still care about the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was like you sparked into, into action when I was saying, right, think about your form. So start, start thinking about, you know, I haven't got long to go. Concentrate on things you can control. And, and tell us the mindset you had at the turnaround with five or six K to go, where you were in the worst hurt box that you've yeah. probably experienced uh, in a long time, I'd say. Yeah, no, for sure. I think um, I remember you reminding me that particularly on that last aid station with like, well, two and a half, three K to go. Like I was, that's where I was in the ultimate world of pain. Like, but it was funny. I told you after the race, I had been like pacing off this one guy. <laughs> I stayed like 20 meters behind him pretty much the entire run. We were running together for a bit, but then he sort of picked the pace up and I knew if I kept going quicker, I wouldn't be able to cope. So I dropped back just a little bit and I held like a maybe 30 meter distance. <laughs> and right when I started to really hurt, like that 13, 14 K mark, I was thinking, man, I started to have like the demons. I was like, I should stop and walk. Oh, like I need a drink. I need, I need to take a breath. I need to go to the toilet. Like just any excuse in my head. And I was like, no. And you're just fighting that demon the whole way. I'm like, I don't know if I can make it. And then the guy in front that I've been pacing off stopped. And I was like, oh, no. And I ran past him and gave him a tap on the back. And I was like, now it's up to me. I'm on my own with like 4K to go. And I was like, it was literally like I was just trying to take it 500 metres at a time. And then I, I saw you at that probably 2.5K to go. And I went through that age station. <laughs> I'd been I'd been alternating like water at one, electrolyte at the other, water at one, electrolyte at the other. But that last aid station when running and made it all the way through to the to the finish. But I just needed something to get me there. But um You just started to yeah, cut out. Did you say was, it was uh, it was coke. It was coke. Is that what it was? I went I went uh, I went coke, water, coke, electrolyte, yeah. coke. Yeah. And then I literally took six different cups and like <laughs> shotted all of them and kept running. <laughs> um, and then that, that took my mind off for a bit because the code ass and I just kept like burping. So I was like, wasn't running, I was just running and burping. And then uh, and then I got to the point when there was the crowd, and then I was like, Oh, I gotta keep going here. I'm start like I, I found a little bit in the last maybe two K and what was the comment like? about holding form uh, yeah. <clears throat> was like the one thing that arced with me because I felt in the previous few cases before that I was starting to get sloppy. Like there was a few times where I almost tripped over and I could feel my feet. I was just running into the man rather than running on top of it. Uh, mm. But yeah, once you made it, once I made it back, it was like, you know, I think pride kicks in a bit and I was like, I want to finish here. And like, and I'd been doing the numbers in my head. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to make it. I might be able to break 416. And then mm. and then I went to the corner, I picked up the pace all the way to the finish shoot and I saw 415 pretty much at the end of the finish shoot. And I'm like, I've got to get there to break 416. And I end up doing it relatively easy. But um, what, what was it like? easy when I crossed the line. Yep. What was that feeling up the red carpet coming into the finish? It's uh, it's an emotional roller coaster, isn't it? Take us through that. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would like uh, some kids. My kids, as I mentioned before, we live like not far from Beach Road, and they walked to the end of our street, set up some deck chairs, and the four kids were there, and my wife was there, and you know, um, 
mother-in-law and um you know my wife's sister and her partner and stuff and they were whole ride and the last lap it was fun i had like different groups of people at each like different points uh for friends at the corner of dendy i had indian street and beach road i had it, my brother at the corner of bay street and beach road and then my family down near black rock and then i had marty from giant down at um was at the turn in Mordialic or Mentone. So I pretty much had like a crew that I looked forward to every lap. It was like I'd get excited when I was coming up to them. But um, then my wife, when I came past in the last lap, they jumped in the car and drove up to St Kilda and, and got down to see me run and then come down the finish. And I remember running down. Actually, like I said earlier, I got off. You get a little bit emotional because, you know, only 20 minutes before, I actually strongly considered stopping. I, I was like, I can't do this. Like, this is way too barely feel my legs i'm like why am i doing this and it's just that back and forth in your own mind like your heart's telling you to go and your mind's trying to trick you to stop kind of thing and um i think the rule that and that's ultimately when you cross the line it's that reward like for you to have the courage to keep fighting through that i think that for me that was like the ultimate reward because that's exactly why i signed up for it was was to see and it makes you feel a bit emotional now, but to see or to feel that feeling when you think you can't and then you can, it's like, yeah, it's super, super gratifying. And uh, and like running down the carpet yesterday is that exact emotion I felt like when I crossed the line, I was like, ah, that was hard. But yeah, good was that kind of thing. Like, I can't believe I did it. And you can you can understand why people are drawn back to to challenge themselves again. It's like an a, an addiction, isn't it? Addiction, because for sure. you you are so deep in in hurt and and questioning your ability and and you're so proud at the end that you overcame anything that was thrown at you for the day from the minute your alarm didn't go off at the right time and slept in, you know, to the actual crossing the line of far out. I just did. I just did it and. And, you know, it's happened to me many times and, and it'll happen again. The endurance, something about the endurance events that that just gets you so emotional that you've, you, it's a victory and it's not about winning. Yeah. You're, you're winning with yourself. That's what it's about. Yeah, and, I think that's uh, that's what I love the most out about it. I feel I'm like I haven't done a full, but even the half for me, it was like it's kind of me- that kind of endurance sport is like metaphoric for life really and like um, – you know, life is like uh, it's not all sort of sunshine and rainbows, you know, like it, there's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of struggles and it sort of goes back to that decision for why I chose to have a crack at it. And, you know, I hope to race more races and keep doing it because it's like for me, sport has always been that. And my journey in particularly in the AFL typifies that really. It was, you know, it was tough for a lot of my career. And, you know, I never, um, I never wanted to run away from that challenge, no matter how dire it got when I played footy for Melbourne. And I wanted to sort of see my way through the darkness to see the light kind of thing. And that's ultimately, it was a reflection of life when you race that race, because you go through all of those ups and downs, like you're loving it. I was loving my life in the bike ride. I was like, this is awesome. And then like, I just, you and I'm loving the start of the run and I love the second lap through the first bit of the run. But then once I got out on my own again, I, you start to doubt yourself and you can feel it. And it's just, 
that challenge of you against you is very much like, yeah, like I said, it's sort of metaphoric for life really. And that's why I think you love it. And I think that's why it's so emotional because it's just so relatable. And it's almost like you taking on, you know, that journey in one event kind of thing. Absolutely. A universal feeling among uh, anyone that takes on any kind of challenge like this. And uh, I saw you uh, get interviewed after, straight after you crossed the finish line. And it's pretty rough to interview someone just when they cross <laughs> the 70.3. The announcer grabbed you and you could barely talk, but you could see the pain in your body and in your face. You'd, you'd absolutely suffered through that last five or six K. Um, and we actually asked you not long after that, we, we saw you and um, you were still just in a world of hurt. And it's funny how you have that contrast between how much pain you were possibly in and how deep you were combined with the elation of you finished. And uh, it was one of the greatest experiences. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, Oh, that's, that's the funny thing about it. Like, um, and you guys said after like, let us know oh, was, uh, if you had have asked me straight, well, you did, you did. And I was like, I don't know if I'll ever do another one again. Like, Oh, geez, I hated it. Like the pain was horrific. And like I could barely bend over. I couldn't pick stuff up off of the ground. Like, I kept my kids with me to pack up transition. My <laughs> wife took the babies home because I couldn't pick stuff up off the ground. I was like, I'm going to need some help or else I'll like, if I get down on my knees, I'm not sure I'll be able to get back up. Um, so, yeah, I, and, but as you said, like, you know, once and then once I saw the family and you see like how proud they are, like it was funny, my wife, like, for the whole time, she was like, you're crazy. Like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, why would you do this? But even to them, they were like, oh, that was like so inspiring. That was awesome. I can't believe you did it. That's amazing. Like, I didn't I didn't think, you know, that you couldn't do it, but it's like watching you do it. And I was like, it just makes you feel good about yourself. Like mm-hmm. I was saying before, it's like um, the challenge of you against you and then the reward of when you commit to something and you – you put the effort and the time in. Yeah. It's like, it's, um, you can't explain it unless you do it. Like it's when you achieve it, like you achieve, like when you achieve anything in life, you put the time in, you put the effort in and you learn and you relinquish your ego and you continue to strive to get better. And it's and a lot of the time it's incremental, like, you know, and there's no linear line to being successful. Like you, you go two steps forward and a step back and five steps forward and three steps back kind of thing. And, and that's like life and that's exactly the journey I've been on in, in this sort of challenge with the triathlon stuff. And, um, yeah, I've, I've loved it. And I think this, uh, well, hopefully it's sort of a building block to doing some more stuff and just time management dependent. But, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I definitely, I said to Jerry right at the start, I want to sort of stay fit enough that, you know, when I can fit things in, I can put a, block of training together and, and have a crack at it. And, um, yeah, I've had a, had a great time and I loved the experience yesterday. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a really great story, uh, for all the people listening and it's testament to your uh, mindset and your courage because you had the most minimal preparation. And I wouldn't take on a lot of people who told me they had 12 weeks for a 70.3. But I I trusted you had a professional outlook because you've been at the top of your sport in your chosen sport for a very long time. And you don't get to do that if you're a fly-by-nighter. So so that gave me unbelievable confidence that, you know, I don't know you, I didn't know you that well um you know i knew as a little young fella and watched you grow up from from afar uh, from that point on but but 
you only had 12 weeks to to get yourself uh, endurance fit from a sport which is based on power. Sure, there's endurance to last the whole game, but you're getting recovery. You're doing high-powered efforts, and then you get to recover. In this, it's sustained effort for a long, long time. And the, the inspirational thing that I want to get across from watching you was when you were at your lowest, you dug deep mentally, and, and that's what got you through. You had the fitness, of course. You, you could have had more fitness with more time. But even though you only had the bare amount of fitness, it was what probably, you know, 15, 16K mark, that's where you would expect someone who's only done 12 weeks to be really struggling. Mind you, you're ahead of your record pace. You are, <laughs> you are well ahead of what your expectation was. Yet you still had the desire and the ability to push through. And that's the thing that I think everybody needs to understand. Um, you know, that takes a certain human to be able to do that. And we're all going to be challenged in, in, in some way or or another in an event that or sport that we're in. And, and it's really, that's the satisfying part when you look back is I'm really proud of myself for having a challenge thrown at me. I'm feeling so bad. What am I going to do about it? And, and you feel so good about yourself. I think that's the thing more that inspires uh, me as a coach that, you know, seeing someone and, and you know, in the Trivello group, we had a whole lot of those stories um, where, you know, I'm, I'm standing at the end just almost crying every time someone comes up to me and they've just said, ah, I've just done a 27 minute PB and, <laughs> and I'm just going, that's just incredible. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and that was killing me Jared out there, but, but, you know, I was so focused and, and that's, that's the thing that I love about this, this sort of sport, uh, not just triathlon, but individual sport where you're getting, getting tested. Is that something that, uh, that, I think you felt. Um, oh, absolutely. I think like I've, I've learned that over a long, long period of time, but that's where the gold is though. Like if you can, uh, if you can, if you have the courage to face that pain and think like, you know, depending on how much you look into it, but there's so many different people that inspire in this space where, you know, only, uh, you know, your, your body is so much more capable than what you actually think it is but it's your ability to be able to like control your mind under pressure. Um, and that's not to say that they don't have the same, like people that are very good at it don't have the same thoughts. Like you know, I'm tipping all of the top guys yesterday would have been going through the same demons, but it's like your ability to overcome and sort of quieten down that, that, that stress level and just be able to deal with it in the moment kind of thing. And, but that's where the gold is like, and, and that's where the reward is if you, if you're willing to, to get through that some people are built like that others aren't but if you want to really find that true satisfaction i reckon like just have a go at it because <clears throat> you'll surprise yourself um you'll surprise yourself even when you don't think it's possible you'll still and you can still find a way um yeah like the gratifying joy that you'll feel from or overwhelming feeling of achievement you'll feel from that is like it's hard to even describe really until you go through it and you come out the other side and be like, whoa, like what am I actually capable of kind of thing? It's a really incredible insight from you specifically. And I just want to ask one more question on that kind of challenge because, you know, you suffered uh, kind of in an, almost an endurance aspect, so much challenge with Melbourne over such a sustained period. And it's in a similar way, you had to kind of go through that week by week, you know, fronting up to games where you knew as a team you were going to be challenged. 
Um, what, what kind of more advice do you have for uh, everyone else out there when, and how did you get through those periods and how has that translated? Yeah. Through, through to now. Oh, I think I sort of touched on it before a little bit like, uh, yeah, I think it was like, it's, it's probably, uh, being bred into me over a long period of time. Like, you know, morally it was, you know, from a young age, my parents in particular were like, encouraged me. I, Cause like I said, I did a lot of sport. A lot of that when I was youngster was individual stuff, but it was like about giving your best effort and sort of never giving up. And no matter how hard it gets, you know, you don't sort of shy away from the challenge. You just, you have a crack at it. And if you fail, you have to learn to accept that and take the lessons from it and, and, you know, train harder and, and try harder and all these kind of things. And that's just what I, what I was always like as a kid. So then when I was faced with that from a, from a footy sense with Melbourne, it was like, I sort of had two options probably a couple of times through my career of like the crossroad of, I could easily jump ship and go to another team, but, and, and maybe see some success there. But like, for me, it was all about fulfillment and like a sense of achievement. And, you know, the reward is in the journey as much as it's in like winning the, like taking the trophy kind of thing. Um, and for me, it was like, if I, if I was to leave in a footy sense and go to another club, win a premiership, but I'd only been there for 12 months or two years, like what joy am I feeling in that? Like I wasn't part of building this. Like I was just like another sort of brick in the wall that contributed to it. Sure. I'd have a premiership medallion, but like from a fulfillment point of view, like, like where was the story behind it kind of thing? Like, and what, what was the emotional hook for me? Like for me, sport is like all about an emotional hook and, you know, committing to something to, seek it out no matter how hard it gets to sort of achieve and, and get a reward at the end. And ultimately from footy sense, I didn't get that as far as winning a premiership, but I look back and the impact that I've had on so many people and the response that I've had from so many people and, you know, the, I guess the respect that's been shown and, um, you know, I guess the feedback that I've received over the last six months has been, probably as rewarding if not more rewarding than the fact that had I played in a premiership and beat a premiership player um there's been so many people that have acknowledged that and that's been I think that's been more fulfilling for me do you know what I mean um and ultimately for the same reasons is why I sort of undertook this challenge because it was like exactly the same sort of theory you know like I committed to a training program and no matter how hard it got and I couldn't be bothered getting up in the morning and I have been woken up like eight times with the babies. And I was like, there's no way I'm running tomorrow. And then all of a sudden it's 6am and I'm like, I'm going running. And then I run and I feel like a sense of achievement. And it's like that compounds and compounds week after week after week. And, and then ultimately, um, you know, you get to the race and you have a crack and, and you get a result. The reward for me was in the journey, really. Mm-hmm. Like, and and you, on the weekend, I uh, and I got to achieve something that I set out to do. But the joy that I felt along the way was, um, you know, it was uh, super fulfilling. The learnings, you know, the different crews that I got to hang out with, the people that I met, um, the rate, the sort of lead up races. You know, the phone calls with Jerry, sort of debriefing training sessions, and and. Um, you know, the text messages 
of advice and just the check-ins with the, you know, the general care and well-being, all those kind of things, like all of that added up to the result yesterday. And I think that entire journey for me is what, what made it so fulfilling, which is, you know, very much sort of like what I said as far as, uh, you know, my footy career went just in a much shorter period. Unbelievably insightful, unbelievably insightful answer. Uh, yeah, that's that's truly amazing. I think we'll uh, we've kept you a long time on here. I think we'll wrap up here. <laughs> um, last question: We asked you yesterday, and then twenty four hours later, uh, when or will you race, <laughs> race again? Uh, well, I actually am signed up to race the two XU on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but oh, I'd I'd have to be I'd have to drastically improve from now till then. Um, I thought I was a chance, but in all honesty, I don't reckon I've had this kind of like general soreness ever. Um, and it's like full body, like everything hurts. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm hoping maybe Sunday, but if it's not Sunday, I'll have a bit of a break because I pretty much haven't stopped since footy finished. Um, like I got straight into training just to get that routine going. So I'll give myself a rest and then maybe get Jerry to set up a bit of a base plan for winter even though I'm a bit, probably a bit more time limited, but I'll still be able to fit in probably a couple of hours each morning. And then we'll go from there. I don't know. Like I, I would probably sign up to Melbourne again at later this year, but I've actually got a wedding on that day. So I can't commit to that. So it's sort of just finding out what fits next. And if it's not Melbourne, it will be a few of the Olympic races in the 2XU and maybe a 70.3 like Geelong next year or something like that. But I don't know, wait and see. I've also thrown up Sunshine Coast in September, but that's a bit time dependent. Well, I don't know. <laughs> the point is sure. you're doing a race again, which is Oh, absolutely. I'll do a race again for <laughs> yes, sure. That's right. Uh, that's gold. And uh, the funniest part was yesterday, oh, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> you actually said that. Uh, yeah. I still felt like that. Last night I got out of bed to go to the toilet and I literally took like five minutes to get out of bed. <laughs> and I was like, holding the wall as I like walk to the toilet. And even though it was dark, it wasn't the fact that it was dark, it was the fact that I couldn't trust my legs. Um, but yeah, no, nah, yeah. it's all, well, it's, that's, that's all part of the fun. No one can accuse you of not trying hard. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, no, fantastic uh, journey. And, and I've enjoyed every single week of it. And, and I've had some very good uh, laughs about how you've responded to some of the text messages and uh, it's, 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 it's been a, a really insightful uh, period for me to, to work with someone like that. So um, it, it's been great. And I hope the listeners get a, a lot of value at to, to hear that you're just like everybody else. You do have periods of ups and downs and, and it's the journey and the destination's fantastic when you get there, but, but it's more also more about the journey. So we really appreciate um, you giving us your time. I know it's only a day after the race and you're very busy. So, so I'm sure people have got so much value out of your, your, um, your race analysis and, and it will be inspiring for people to think that, Jesus, I can push myself a bit further if I have to. And uh, so really thanks for that, mate. And, uh, and thanks for giving us so much of your time. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thank you specifically, Jerry. I've, uh, I've loved working alongside you, being awesome support. And, um, yeah, I, I particularly I found triathlon probably when I needed it most in as far as my life. And, uh, yeah, I've, uh, I've loved your insight and your support as a coach and your dedication i i, I was truly uh or well, not surprised because i people assured me that was the service i was getting but your level of uh 
commitment to each individual to make sure they get the best out of them and the amount of feedback and insight and review and time that you put into your athletes it's um it's been a pleasure to work alongside you and uh and there's no surprises why so many triathletes um that work with trivalo get such good results so appreciate it mate thanks so much nathan really appreciate you coming on that's it for this episode we'll see you next time 